0: Good afternoon, everybody, um, and welcome to today's webinar. Uh, my name is Eamon Cronin, and I am the Chief Commercial Officer with Acumen Aviation based here in Dublin. I'm joined today by uh, Donald Larry and Alan Weber, and really our objective um, is to, to look at focus on asset management both before and after the current crisis. Uh, the title is Navigating Through a Crisis. Um, just a little bit about my background. I've been with Acumen for over four years and my role is the uh, mostly the commercial activity um, which I work a lot with investors, uh, both buying aircraft, putting them on lease, uh, managing and establishing structures to, to put those aircraft through. And then on the trading and uh remarketing side of the business as well. Um and we work uh, seamlessly with the um with with the asset management and the technical side of the business. Um over twenty years, over twenty years in aviation. So I suppose uh, seeing a couple of uh crises, uh, a couple of uh, downturns uh, throughout the uh, throughout my time in aviation. So Hopefully today uh, we can give you a little bit of our um, our experience um, and our uh, our, our certainly things that we've uh, picked up and learned throughout the uh, over the years. Um, and I just introduce um, both Donal and Alan. So Donal, if you could give just a little bit of uh, an intro to yourself, and then if Alan, if you could do that as well, please. Uh,
1: good afternoon, everybody. Donal Lowry here. Um, I'm with Acumen for just a little over two years now, and prior to that I was with um, less hours, a few less hours, in, both in Dublin and Singapore and Dubai. Uh, and also prior to that I was with uh, an airline for a number of years. So I can see um, I've been at both sides of the table. So I'm pretty familiar with the activity level from a less hours perspective, an airline perspective, an MRO's perspective. Thank you, Eamon.
2: And Alan? Good day, everyone. I'm Alan Webber. I'm the Chief Technical Officer for Acumen Aviation. Um, I deal with the uh, the operation and the technical side of asset management. Um, I've been in the business for um, just over 35 years now, so I've seen a, a few cycles go through. And today I'll be talking, my, my part anyway, I'll be talking about um, what's actually happening on the ground with your assets and also uh, share some of our our knowledge on the practical things that can be done to uh, improve the chance of a positive outcome for assets being managed. So, thank you very much, Alan. Back to you.
0: Okay, thanks, thanks, Donald, thanks, Alan. I'd just say, I suppose just to add to uh, certainly um, uh, from, from Donald's perspective. I've been on the opposite side of the table and uh, the same side of the table from from Donald, so he's got lots of experiences. As does Alan, uh, Alan as well from. Uh, both uh, are from airline uh, leasing and MRO activity. Uh, so just mo- moving on, uh, to give you a little bit about Acumen, very very brief um, moving on and uh, on the left-hand side um, you know, we- we've been involved in various repossession um, cases throughout the years uh, in, in all, all, all areas of the world. Um, and interestingly enough, Acumen is just over ten years old uh last year it was ten years old so we we had our ten year anniversary and it all started um in India with uh one of the Indian airlines who i'm sure is familiar to to all uh but that's that's where it started so that's that's the starting point and uh, it's grown. Significantly since then, and we've got offices, a head office in Dublin, uh, we have an office in India, China, and the US, and we've also got people placed throughout the, throughout the world. Uh, and one thing I would say that, um is that we're an independent manager so we don't have balance sheet exposure Um, we don't invest um, but we manage on behalf of others so throughout the whole um, asset management cycle from acquisition to management to uh, disposal remarketing. Uh, and, and I'd also like to say that we've successfully managed uh, a number of challenging cases both uh, I suppose, uh, you know, it, it doesn't take a crisis to manage a, a successful uh, case, but, um, you know, a crisis may, may accelerate the requirement for for management, for a handback, um, but, um, you know, either handbacks can be um, friendly or uh, unfriendly, as the case might be, and uh, every situation is unique. Uh, every part of the world is unique. Um, and what we tend to do, and i will get into more detail about, um, we 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 tend to engage uh, with our local reps, um, so those people who are knowledgeable and understand the market, the local market, the local jurisdiction, uh, the local MRO, the local airline, uh, and so on. So. Um we, we currently have um you know people deployed throughout the world on site uh, either with with the airlines or with the MRO um and uh, you know, we we continue to do that. So that that's uh, a main main part of our business. So just moving on from that and just to focus on today's discussion. I essentially have the easy part and uh, just to uh, establish the background, but uh, the first area we look at is the market impact um, and you know we all, we all know and we all recognise that uh, a lot of things are going to change. Um, you know, the gr- aircraft are grounded throughout the world. Um, and the second section that we look at is contingency. And I, I really feel and you know we, we had a discussion before this and when before we set up the webinar is that <clears throat> it's all about contingency planning. It's all about preparation and planning. Um like any activity within aviation. But um, you know, that that's that's the key to it. So Hopefully, the message today will be about planning, planning, and planning, and preparation for that planning, uh, and that's that's important. And finally, uh, we'll just touch on areas of remarketing uh, because if you do uh, get your aircraft back, or you do take your aircraft back, and you want to move it on, you gotta you gotta get it somewhere else. And we we you know we have to recognise that. A lot of the asset owners uh, are also levered or they have loans um on their aircraft or some kind of uh, some kind of debt attached to it so uh whilst um airlines may look for uh forgiveness in today's market um, there are knock on impacts of that and uh there are loans and leverage behind that so that's an important consideration. So it's important that um we look to protect the assets and to move them on so they're um continuing to maximise their value. Um okay, so just moving on from that onto the market impact. <clears throat> and I, I think I think the thing to, to note and uh, without um you know, reading through the slides is that we, we recognise that demand is down. Um, you know, pre-crisis, there was uh, 35 uh, Airbus and Boeing, and the OEMs rec- uh, expected that by 2030 there will be a requirement for over 35,000 aircraft, <clears throat> of, of which 22,000 of those were new aircraft. Um, that those estimates have been revised down by 27%. So no, no, no surprise. I think you know with the combination of the max issue. Uh, and um uh, there's, we've seen in the in the press in recent days that a lot of cancellations and saw some more cancellations this morning uh for uh, new deliveries uh due to excessive excessive delays so um demand is down and um also, supply is up even uh, in, in terms of uh, the surplus aircraft and we expect surplus aircraft. So, again, we've seen in the press uh, recently that um, a number of airlines have uh, gone into trouble uh, and uh, repossessions or handbags have started. Um, and you know, there's certainly um, all airlines are feeling the effect, not just the big airlines, but also the uh, small, medium size, the, the, what we considered before, tier one, tier two, tier three. It goes all the way through. So everybody is being impacted uh, by the crisis. Um, and the other aspect we looked at is capital. Um, and uh you know that that's an area that um, I suppose is a question mark about capital um before the crisis there was a huge availability of capital and i guess you know airlines never had it so good and it's it's great for everybody and it's it's a positive for everybody um because interest rates were low um sources of capital either uh, through their own rights uh, or through um leaseback opportunities um our trading activity uh was very very uh, f- very strong uh oil prices certainly recently have been uh, low uh interest rates been low um so you know before the crisis hit uh things uh, have been very very good in the industry um and the question mark is you know how, how will that how will that change after um uh, the whole uh, the whole crisis or the whole uh, when everybody returns to some level of normality, it's certainly clear that um, there are going to be impacts on the business going forward. And even if you, if you take it from a, a traveler, either a business traveler or a leisure traveler, um, you know, you are going um, you know, to, there, there is going, going to be that thought in your mind. So I think that would have a knock on, knock on impact into the industry as a whole. Um, And we remember uh, the last crisis, and the last crisis was very much uh, financial in nature. Um, You know, in 2008, 2010, 2010, uh, capital dried up, Uh, banks, um, you know, to an extent, ran for became borders, or financial borders closed, um, rather than, as we see today, physical borders. So... Uh, It was uh, banks retrenched, Um, some banks didn't uh, lend into the sector but I think the message that uh, certainly I took from the last crisis was that gradually new sources of capital equity, both debts and equity came in, Uh, interest rates uh, remained low, Uh, these new sources filled the void whether that was private equity or hedge funds um, or uh, ABS uh, products but certainly um, you know, there was there was a solution uh, to a very uh, deep uh, and penetrating financial crisis before. So, hopefully, you know that that's that's you know for our industry, aviation industry, uh, that um, you know there's solutions there. Um, I think everyone is feeling the same uh, the same towards that. But uh, certainly, there's a lot of uncertainty, uh, which uh, financial markets in particular don't uh, necessarily like. Um, but uh, you know, we 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 all hope, certainly hope that things will. Um, uh, we heard certainly hope that things will uh, certainly uh, improve over the uh, short term. Um, just uh, w- one thing I'd like to talk about as well is the acumen we have uh, on our team, a number of um, appraisers. Uh, and, and one area that we, we, we have addressed and we have looked at is the impact, potential impact of the current crisis on uh, values of aircraft. Um, we, we Certainly before the crisis, uh, it was difficult. Uh, pricing was uh, toppy, um, it's fair to say and we, we, we certainly think we've, we've looked at all the factors that affect supply and demand and uh, certainly we think that um, market value um, will be affected and lease rates will also be affected so um, we, we've taken it and looked at regional jets, single aisle <coughs> and wide body aircraft. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. We think that uh you know five percent in regional jets single aisles will be affected uh, by six percent and wide bodies by six percent and um certainly um before the crisis uh wide body aircraft were um you know the the certainly out of production aircraft had uh, started to take a hit. Um, and you know that can be further uh, exacerbated by uh, the current crisis. Also, lease rates uh, we think will be affected as well, um, and we've given some target values there where we think, from a regional perspective, eight by eight percent single aisles by eleven percent, and wide body by fourteen um, percent. Just, just sorry, just should have mentioned at the start that uh, feel free. To ask any questions and it comes up in our chat here and you know if we have time uh, we'll certainly address them as we go through the slides and if if not if it's a general question we'll address it at the end but are are following the webinar as well so uh, feel free and we'll be delighted to take any questions that you have. So uh moving on to that moving on from that, uh just uh we we've we've had a look at capacity and uh one, one thing that's certain is that um you know, nobody's flying um and that's, that's we all know that and uh, the impact of that has been largely felt and the majority of that's been in um for the first half of the year in Asia Pacific and in Europe. And we think revenue, and these, these, uh, this information comes from ICAO, uh, revenue has been impacted uh, greatly in Asia Pacific and Europe especially. But in total, uh, for the first half of 2020, by over $90 billion, which is just, just a huge, huge number, um, and also uh, capacity uh as the as seat capacity as percentage has just fallen off the radar. Um but you know that that's that's no surprise but um you know that that's the impact that uh, so they're huge, huge numbers and for any industry, uh no matter how robust the industry is, um it's 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 a tough it's a tough one to take. Uh, and airlines traditionally have, you know, they they're, they're doing what they can in terms of um, local government support uh, loans um, calling uh, looking for uh, forgiveness in terms of rental holidays so on uh, conditions um, not uh, just extending the terms uh, whatever they can do and uh, most asset owners will work with uh, airlines to 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 see what they can do without, you know, funding their operation, um, but certainly tough times at the moment for airlines. Um, and uh, how long that continues, uh, you know, that that's, there's a level of uncertainty around that. Um, but taking that and just, just moving on from that, and uh, what we did look at is uh, we looked at uh, a couple of the, you know, the, the publicly quoted or uh, where we could get some share price information, uh for some airlines and we, we took a couple of samples, uh not nothing very, very random, uh, but the market um looks at airlines and there are analysts that look at airlines constantly as a sector. Um and one thing that's uh you know the share price and we can see that the share price has dropped dramatically Uh, And certainly analysts would look at that. Would look at airlines, and um, these are what what would be considered fairly strong airlines before. Um, And uh, analysts would take everything into into account, including uh, cash burn and their ability to withstand uh, shock in the market. Um, And it's clear that you know the airlines uh, will continue to have fixed costs Mm -hmm. which they need to absorb to some extent um, but um, you know that, that's that's uh, the message here really is that um, the impact on uh, certain airlines and the industry uh, will have a, a, a certainly resounding impact over all airlines so if it takes some airlines that are robust and have um, large resources um, they certainly don't want to burn through those resources and they will do Pretty pretty quickly, uh, even though they'll uh, continue to uh, manage that as best as possible. But uh, I suppose the message really is that um, if if, if that's ha- that that will happen across all our airlines, um, and it's, uh, it's 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 for consideration. Uh, so really, with that in mind, I think you know the, the message from our point of view is that um, we need to, uh, as a, an asset manager uh we need to plan uh we need to be prepared uh for whatever happens um you know with asset owners they want to make sure you've got an expensive asset um and a valuable asset and you want to make sure it's a long life asset as well so we take an average of 25 years so it's a long life asset we want to make sure that that's protected and managed throughout the, the life cycle so with that in mind uh what i'll do is i'll hand you over to Donal, who's going to look at uh, contingency and preparation and uh, address some of the activities both before and current activities before the crisis and current activities. And uh, so I'll hand you over to Donal.
1: Thanks, Eamon. And um, on this slide, I'll talk you through the, um, from a technical and asset management perspective, activities involved would we'll say, routine activities during a normal lease cycle and then on the right hand side of the sheet will be activities after um, in a, in a um, contingency situation. Now, we, none of us know what the full outcome is going to be from uh, COVID-19, but we do know it will involve um, early lease returns, repositions, or maybe even extended parking where the aircraft may sit with the airline uh, on the ground with an arrangement with the lessor for a period of time to be determined. So the scenarios are changing, and they'll change dramatically. So it's best to be prepared. So the key words really are preparation. Preparation. The important. The, the, it's very important to be prepared as much as possible. Um, early intervention is important, and point of point of contact and relationships very important also. On the left side of the screen is the normal activities during during a lease. You've got the lease management of the asset, you have the rent flow, you have the maintenance, maintenance events, utilization reports normally are, are monthly, lease covenants being complied with. Be aware of the lease covenants already being complied with and is insurance valid and reflects the agreed value on the of the aircraft. On the under the heading asset preservation we have Again, activities during the lease term would be um, maintenance shop visits, block checks on the airframe, engine, uh, engine or landing gear shop visits, and records would be assessed or looked at during a midterm, normally a midterm or an audit, periodic, periodic audit, audit of the assets. That can include a look at back-to-birth on, landing, on LLP districts, but not a deep dive really during the lease term. So post covid nineteen we don't know what's going to be the outcome, but we do know for sure that it will involve early lease returns early terminations, repossessions or extended parking scenarios for sure are coming 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 at us all so the scenario is changing dramatically and on a daily basis so looking at the situation where an aircraft can return early or, or a repossession scenario so or the aircraft could be parked for a while uh, in the under the care of the under the care of the lessee with the agreement of the lessor for a determined period of time which would be looking at um, preservation and storage which is important to comply fully with particularly for engines. So uh, strict monitoring is required there. So rental holidays as I mentioned, that's if if it's agreed between the parties, otherwise the aircraft may be um, leaving. So in that scenario, we want to see where the aircraft sits as regards letters of credit are the valid, is the amount adequate to cover the pending, pending uh, costs and the, the covenants also. Are the covenants complied with identify the shortfall and cost costing of the shortfall if, if it involves additional work on the aircraft. Are there any insurance claims outstanding? If yes, uh, they have to be um, monetized or uh, costed to see what, what, what is involved after the aircraft comes back. On the record side, it's very important to uh, to act quickly and gain access to the records, both electronic records and paper records. So, to do that, it requires good relationship with the key key players in the um, with the carrier and stakeholders. Um, identifying where the major assemblies are, for example, the engines or landing gear. The title. If the where are the title engines and where are the title landing gears? If they're on another aircraft, who owns the aircraft? If it's by another, if another LSR owns the aircraft, we would need to um, build, um, make contact, and possibly agree on a recognition of rights document where we reconcil- would reconcile the engines at a later stage, normally it's better to do outside the jurisdiction after the aircraft is ferried. I probably should have said also, to determine at an early stage, is the aircraft in a flight-ready condition or how close is it to a flight-ready condition or what maintenance activity has to be performed in order to get it to a flight-ready condition vis-a-vis a a ferry flight permit, which may involve engagement with the Airwardness Authority directly. Another aspect would be to look at as well, would be are there any liens on the aircraft? Uh, are the fuel companies owed money? Is the airport authority or suppliers owed money and that could affect the aircraft departing. So um, there also could be uh, engines in the shop. So what shop, identify what shop they're in, where it is, where it is on the shop visit um, cycle. And are there any issues with the uh, money's due or what it would take to get the asset released to shop? On um, back to birth follow-up, I, again, it's very important to do a deep dive on the um, engine and landing gears to ensure that you have the full story on the full back to birth trace, because that will affect the, f- the future transition of an engine or a landing gear if we don't have the full back to birth trace. Uh, the return conditions need to be uh, examined carefully, and determine where the aircraft and engines are under as regards the return conditions. And what are the shortfalls? Identify the shortfalls, cost the shortfalls, and that would, that will need to be uh, determined as well. Um, so for that. For the return, of the, for the, um, what I'm trying to say, the skill set required, you need to have the right skill set to perform these activities for uh, either an early termination or a, um, a, a repossession. So it's important that you have the right people that you can call on that have experience on the aircraft, the aircraft type, and, then, and and along with that, it's also good if they have regional knowledge of the jurisdiction and are familiar. I can talk about it. There's a lot more involved but I'm just giving you a top skim on the activities. Uh, For example further down the line would be uh, arranging a ferry flight and that involves another third party so that also has to be uh, organized. The again robberies which I should have mentioned earlier they would need to be identified at an early stage and reconciled or replace on the aircraft, so it can be got into a flight ready condition. Um, that's about it on the top skim as regards the, the key words is preparation, early early intervention, good relationships. So with that, I'll hand you back to Eamon and to maybe talk to you about the remarketing and the trading
0: aspect of the asset yeah. after so thanks return from lease. Yeah, thanks, Donald. So, 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 is it fair to say that um, these are activities that happen? Uh, we, 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 the normal course of business, uh, we, you know, we we manage rentals, we manage maintenance, we manage shop visits, uh, we do terminations or uh, re-deliveries or handbacks uh, as a normal course of business. But uh, the whole crisis may have accelerated that, and uh, it's important that. You know, we examine, we do a, a fairly critical examine, examination of all the records where the aircraft is, uh, what, you know, if there's an engine in the shop. It's just accelerated. I think it's accelerated and just be prepared. Uh, and that's something that uh, we work with our customers and clients with uh, just to ensure that the records are there. Uh, oftentimes you have uh, physical records in a location. Or in boxes somewhere, but it's good to have soft copies and to do a, a gap analysis to see what records you have, what you don't have, what gaps are there, uh, and that, that's that's normal activity. But uh, you know, I think uh, things have accelerate or may accelerate, and it's important that um, you know we're on top of all those activities. um I think that's fair to say, John. This is that. Would that be uh, you know a, yeah. a, a summary of what? Yes, it-
1: yeah, you're right. It's normal activities, but in this case, it's accelerated. It's crisis management, really. And then you've got to prioritize. It's important to prioritize the um, what what you need first. You need the status of the engines, particularly. You need the landing gear status. You need to know where the aircraft is on, on, its, on its cycle, on its maintenance cycle. What checks are due. So you need to have the maintenance history and the maintenance forecast. You also need access to the engine records and disk sheets. These are all important documents where you prioritize those and it makes it much easier than to remarket the aircraft if you have those uh, and you build the files on the aircraft build a tech spec build a marketing spec or a remarketing spec based on the information you've received hopefully you get cooperation it's important just, it's important to get cooperation I think mm. also, uh, and then also have a good working relationship with the uh, with the airline yeah Con- i guess conflict, conflicts don't work in this situation so avoid contact uh, avoid conflict
0: yeah i guess lines of communication then are important um across all aspects uh, of the uh, the process so uh, that's important, but no, thanks. Thanks for that, John. I think um, you know that's that's very useful. From you know, these are activities that we do day in, day out. So you know, we just take it as the normal course of business, uh, albeit that uh, the environment has certainly changed.
2: Uh,
0: and with, with that in mind, I just I'll I'll, I'll move on to um, to uh, Alan. And he's going to take us through, um, you know, case studies in terms of what's happening uh, with assets on the ground. So Adam looks after all our asset management and technical teams that would do transitions, uh, repossessions, handbacks, deliveries, so on. So um, he he's lots, lots of experience and lots of stories in terms of what's happening uh,
2: on the ground. So Adam, if you could uh, take us through that, please. Great. Thank you very much, Eamon. Okay, so as Eamon said at the beginning, we've got teams on the ground all around the world. So I thought it'd be interesting just to let, to let you know what's happening uh, with your assets, and also, you know, we've got many case studies that we've, uh, you know, been involved in over the years. So we've boiled rather than go through any one individual, I have boiled them all down really just to tell you the things that we do, which we know to be universally successful for improving the chances of a good outcome for um, assets under management. So in terms of um, the operations at the moment, uh, operators have got skeleton crews of maintenance staff maintaining the fleet. And they've got really two main priorities. The first one is safety, of course, maintaining the safety of the aircraft and keeping them airworthy. And the second thing, of course, they're interesting, is the operation. There is some operations happening, and I'll talk more about that in a moment. Um, Now, the the maintenance staff, of course, they do recognise that there are lease contracts in place. However, it's not at the forefront of their minds. They tend to treat all the aircraft the same. uh, And if I'm honest, they tend to treat them like they're their own. Um, They'll have no detailed knowledge of any individual lease contracts. You know, that's the responsibility of other people who, at the moment, of course, are not on site. They're working from home. So the two activities which are ongoing at the moment, the first one is storage. You know, with the world's fleet, parked there's not enough places so assets are not necessarily where you expect them to be or where they normally are um, you know some are on remote stands but some are with MROs and some could even be at uh, out stations which is what, what we're finding now but as part of the storage of course uh, the maintenance crews will be carrying out system checks and they'll be moving the aircraft regularly to prevent things like flat spots on the tyres they'll be replacing desiccant and looking at humidity indicators and all that sort of stuff the other activity that's going on is preparation for flight, so that there are some operations happening. Um, for example, uh, cargo is happening, so there are freight flights, and in fact, some PAX aircraft are being used for freight as well, with the inherent uh, dangers of damage to seats and sidewall panels, etc. Um, there are repatriation flights uh, going on as well. Uh, certainly, some of the governments around the world have um, commissioned uh, flights for repatriation. And the other thing that's happening is uh, crew training, recurrent training. Um, rather than using simulators, um, some operators are using um, operational aircraft to do that. Now, the system checks and the operations, of course, they they either generate or they identify faults on the aircraft which need to be cleared by the maintenance engineers. And very often, faults are cleared by component changes. Um, sometimes uh, components are not in stock. Uh, but more so in the current situation you know, there's very little cash while the repair stations are closed and there's uh, not much movement of uh, parts around the world so to keep the operations running it's perfectly normal practice to remove components from stored aircraft you know, rather than reactivating a stored aircraft which is a, a quite a long process to uh, take components off uh, stored aircraft and use them on a, on our serviceable aircraft, they're called component robberies because you're robbing you're robbing one aircraft to service another. It's perfectly normal, and there's a paperwork trail that that uh, goes along to reflect that. And what's not normal, of course, at the moment, is that the administrative administrative infrastructure that supports that activity is not there. Uh, most staff are working from home, uh, and they're not um, at the maintenance base. Now, the sort of components uh, that get removed from aircraft. Are things like valves and switches and pumps harnesses etc but it could be APUs and main engines and some landing gear components as well Um, this is all perfectly normal Um, all the paperwork will get generated in the normal way it's just taking longer to get back to the aircraft technical record you know the processes are just a bit more um, fragmented and of course also communication to asset owners like yourselves Um, about asset swaps can take longer as well and can be a little bit uh, less consistent than maybe you're used to. So you've got aircraft in unusual locations. You've got um, records that are not in those locations as well. You've got more component changes likely and an administrative structure, which is a little bit fragmented. The maintenance crews themselves are doing fine. They're doing what they do every day. Uh, It's it's normal normal practice for them. So um, that's all going on. But um, that then, if we look at that then in context of um, today's environment, we our experience of distressed operations, when cash is tight and operations are still ongoing, um, it means the day-to-day management of assets is you know, much more difficult. And if you get into a situation of continuous default, and therefore the possibility of early terminations or repossessions, Our case studies uh, show that there are uh, practical steps that we can take which are effective in improving the chances of positive outcome and Not only that it's it's, we found that um, Those effects have been universal as well. So we've been involved in cases in you know, India, South America Europe, etc. and um, We know that the single most important thing that we can do is to put team in place that are local to that place so if you've got a local local team they speak the local language they know the local culture um, they often have contacts already with the operator internally sometimes they've even worked there or they know how to make uh, contacts quickly um, if you take the situation in India last year actually before that in South America the airline's um, distressed and is maybe going into liquidation you get reps arriving from all around the world they sort of descend on the operator and then the people within that organization find it very difficult to um, prioritize you know who needs what first and it's usually the local guys that are most effective at getting the information that you need because what you really need is intelligence um, and local reps are are the the best at getting that intelligence so in terms of intelligence the things you need to know are you know how you're going to secure the aircraft and the records so we need to know where the aircraft is and we need to know how to gain access to it um you know the aircraft as i said are in unexpected locations at the moment and therefore you know access can also be difficult as a result of that as uh, Donald mentioned earlier, you need to know, we need to know where the titled assets are. You know, are they fitted to the aircraft? If they're not, whose aircraft are they fitted to? Um, Or are they even at an MRO unserviceable? We need to understand ahead of time what would be required for export, you know, is an AOC required, for example. We need good access to the aviation authorities uh, and airport authorities. And that makes, we know that makes a big difference. You know, knowing what you can do and how to expedite that it means having good access to um, authorities definitely um, and we need to then also work out where we're going to be taking the aircraft to next and all this is done in the background if we're going to take it somewhere next we might need to engage with an MRO we've got to identify one first we've got to secure a contract with them and also discuss what their maintenance requirements are going to be and importantly we need to think about how we're going to ensure the continuous airworthiness. So do we need to get our camo team involved? Now, we've also found that there are other you know, complicating factors around all that. We um, recently worked with an operator that came became insolvent, but they were a subsidiary of a larger entity. So under those circumstances, there are two sets of decision makers and often the best ones to make the decisions are not necessarily the ones with the authority. So that's something to keep in mind. And also, the sheer technical effort of doing things like retrieving title assets can be enormous. Um, we worked with a European airline who um, became insolvent, and they had engines with five different lessors in a between their fleet. So um, just to give you a simple example of the technical effort that's required there, if you're going to make an engine change, you actually need two stands. You need one stand to carry the donor engine, and then another stand to drop the removed engine into. Of course, shipping, finding, having the availability of stands and then shipping them is it's expensive, it's not easy, and there's always the risk of damage, of course. Then if you are looking at a possibility of maybe a title swap to make that situation easier, understanding the technical and the commercial values of of the relative um, assets that are being swapped is in, it's imperative really to have a, a technically competent team and an accredited valuation team working together and that's why we have those teams in house because we know you know how important how important that is so in summary our uh, aircraft maintenance is a is a cash training activity, and the current situation is making the cash situation worse of course assets are dispersed the records are just taking longer to get you know up to date. Um you need to understand where the titled assets are because they may have changed or the situation may be just unclear at the moment. And the things to put in place in advance are definitely you have a local team on the ground and get them in early, someone who knows the culture, knows the language and has got contacts, um and they can gather the intelligence that you need then to Pre plan for export, storage, continuous airworthiness, ease of repatriation of title assets, technical and financial risks of swaps, um, MRO requirements, etc. And our experience has shown from all the case studies that we've um, been through and worked on that if all that is done early and it's done well, it definitely increases uh, the chances of a successful outcome where. Um, where managing assets are concerned and that is a successful formula wherever you are in the world So that's um, just an overview really and with that I'll hand back to Eamon
0: so, uh, Thanks, thanks Alan Um so one thing one question I have is just in terms of how, how do we manage so how does the acumen so you you mentioned that uh, It's important to have local people local knowledge uh, local understanding uh, local intelligence, but how, how do we manage the situation? So how, how are our teams or how are your teams? Engaged in the process and how does it all report in and coordinate?
2: We, it's important to have um, a project manager for the whole um for the whole uh, operational side of what's going on because you need someone to liaise with the operator uh, and the lessor or the asset owner and at the same time with the team on the ground. So you need that. And then the other thing is to have um, the team in place as well. So we usually put a team in place on the ground, then we have a a project manager in situ um, to to be the single point of contact that uh, all the information can flow through and becomes the single um, decision maker then to make everything quicker because it's in these sort of situations, um, speed of action um, stands for a lot so that's how we we um structure everything. Okay, that's that's good. Thanks for that. So I think it's important
0: to say that just just from uh the commercial aspect that uh you know records are important to to us that we have a, a tech and marketing spec so uh we can look to remarket the aircraft and uh, and and that there are no gaps so uh ensuring that we have full back to births, knowing where the engines are knowing the timings uh what's going to happen when it's going to happen is all important so i think that's that's that was good um, so thanks thanks for that um, so just moving on and, and very briefly, uh, I know we, we kind of went over a little bit given that we had a few gremlins on the line, uh, but the future of your assets. So in Acumen, uh, we, we we do many things, but we do a full life cycle of asset management. And one thing we do have is we have appraisers on our team. And constantly, we're working with the technical teams and the asset owners in terms of what what are the options for uh, remarketing the aircraft, whether we want to remarket to uh, another airline. So, we're constantly looking at that uh, whether a sale is uh, an option, uh, conversion. And I think, you know, today's (coughs) certainly today's buzzword is that uh, whilst passenger aircraft are not flying, um, there are freighter aircraft that are continually flying um, and probably the the majority of their flights today and part out so we, we look at all those options together we do a financial analysis uh we provide a return uh to parties um so they can see what what's the best scenario and at the same time working each of those lines uh gives the most effective and um comprehensive and uh you know financial outcome uh to uh, the asset owner so that's that's something that we we always do um uh, Uh, We're constantly doing that. Uh, We're constantly looking at different options. So I don't know, Donald or Adam, do you want to add anything to that in terms of the coordination of our our effort across the company?
2: I think one of the... um one of the advantages we have um, structurally is that um, because of all the back office support whilst everything is happening on the ground at least we've got the back office support there that can uh we can do all the, the, the grunt work if you like to, to do all the things that are required um, in order to support uh, the front end with any of these um, particular um, uh, options going forward so that's what that's what i'd say for that Amy. okay Thanks, Sam.
0: Um so just moving on, in, in terms of remarketing, um it's a it's a long process. and uh, in, in normal in normal environment we we started, you know, a year at least a year out. Uh but you know the the thing about uh, one spent too much time and the thing about remarketing in today's world is it it may be accelerated uh, and there may be requirements for quick quick options Um, Or you know we we may look to uh, and we work with asset owners in terms of storage storage options making sure that the aircraft is preserved the engines are preserved uh, and that might be uh, you know what, what needs to happen and I think Donald uh referred to it earlier. Um and that's uh and then you know, we we also work with legal and tax uh representatives to ensure that uh legally uh we have title to the aircraft, we can move the aircraft, we can repossess the aircraft, we have access to the major components, so on. And then uh, as we move an aircraft on from a tax perspective, uh, that it's in a, a, a good jurisdiction from a tax uh, perspective. So um, that's 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 it uh, from from our, our our aspect today. And just in conclusion, um, you know, the really the the, the key thing is uh, certainly things have changed, and we know things have changed, and uh, we all suspect that things will change over the coming months, uh, weeks, and months. Um, that's that's not uh, that's not in debate. But uh, from our uh, perspective, and from an acumen perspective, it's uh, currently uh, you know we we look to we'll continue to manage assets as we have done in the past. Um, but that that activity may be accelerated. Certain uh, situations may be accelerated. Um, we have <laughs> you know we have a an online asset management system, Sparta, which we use to manage a lot of our activity. Uh, and that's uh, we've continued to develop and put resources into that financial resources into that to develop the online system Uh, but we also you know to mention that we have a global presence and experience in these situations and uh, you know even just across the three of us today uh, we've been through uh, many cycles and we've come out the other side of those cycles so there, there is light at the end of the tunnel um that's important uh, even in these uncertain times. And just remind, uh remains to thank uh, and apologies, uh, just apologies for everyone for the, we had slight glitch in the audio uh, during the presentation, but hopefully that didn't uh, d- distract. Uh, but just remains mm-hmm. remain to me thank uh, my fellow presenters, uh, uh, Dono and Aaron and certainly if um, If you've got any questions or you have anything that you'd like to uh, come to us, feel free to our our contact points are there and you can uh, check out our website as well. And we'd be delighted to uh, assist or to to talk to you about any situation. So thanks very much.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks. Bye.